0: So, the title for this morning's message is A Winning Mindset for the New Era. A Winning Mindset for the New Era. And it's on the Bible theme of having the right mindset when living in evil times. Okay, and the new era we're referring to is the era whereby government policy, state institutions and corporate business are pursuing an anti-Christian agenda. I mean, not exclusively, and we're not going to get paranoid about this this morning, but as we sense, you know, at work in the workplace and things, it is there. And they're looking to deconstruct the Christian heritage that has served us so well. And we're not going to do it, but if we were to do a show of hands in here this morning, who's kind of felt a little bit threatened in the workplace by what you can and can't say? I bet several hands would have gone up. There's one right there, Okay. (laughs) So, and let me just say, this is not going to be a big thing about kind of how evil the world is this morning. We do have to go there a little bit. It's going to be a positive message, but we do have to define uh, what it is we're talking about. And always, as always, Jesus is our example. So we're going to draw a parallel between the life of Jesus, as we find in Psalm 118, how he was hated and rejected by the world, but in the end achieved total victory and all the plans of the enemy failed. We will parallel that with what's directed at us as believers today, and how we too can stay on course and fulfil our God-given assignments. So, as I mentioned, this is Psalm 118. We're doing a summer series on psalms at the moment. And we've already had um, Psalm 2, um, I think, preached on, uh, how it kicked us off with that. So uh, can we have the Psalm 2 slide, please? I'm just going to read this. Why do the nations rage, and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together. So we can take kings and uh, rulers today as modern-day leaders, politicians, heads of state or whatever, okay, against the Lord and his anointed, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. Okay. So basically, like we read in Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. What's happening today has happened many times uh, in history before. It's just a kind of repetition of that. So what we want to discuss today, is we're just going to quickly look in Isaiah about some of the Old Testament narratives about how Israel, as a society, pulled away from God and kind of went into all manners of sin and foolishness. Then we're going to look at Romans 1 and 2 briefly, where Paul talks about the mechanism for how this spiral works. And then the really good kind of positive bit, because we're going to end on a high note, is three points for a winning game plan based on the life of Jesus as highlighted in Psalm 118. So Psalm 2 there is kind of like the nations kind of plotting together. They did exactly that with Jesus, okay? It didn't face him. He had the right mindset and he rose victorious, okay? So that's the lesson that we're going to major on today. So next slide, please. Isaiah chapter 5. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. He put darkness for light and light for darkness. He put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter, all right, So we see that in modern society, certainly in the, West, the Western world, don't we? That what is good and what is biblically good is actually now called bad or evil. I'm sure you've all encountered that. Isaiah chapter 10, woe to those who decree unrighteous decrees. We could call out names of politicians, we're not going to do that, but let's say it is there. But there's certainly a strong parallel between what the Israelites did then in their downward spiral and what we're experiencing as a nation today. Romans 2, next slide please. So Paul identifies a mechanism for how societies pull away from God, and it starts basically by his turning our backs on God, we don't worship him, we're not mindful of him, and we don't give thanks to him, we basically don't orientate our lives to him. That's kind of where it starts, and as we continue to go down that path, we kind of get into all kinds of foolishness, until actually a point comes when actually, my interpretation here, God this says, okay, you can have what you want. If you want to pursue that line of, evil, it's called a perversion or whatever, then I'm just going to take my hands off and that's what you can have. And I think actually that is where we've got to in society today. I think we're at that point now where we have all kinds of foolishness. Next slide, please. So we read actually an account in the Bible, again, even before when Israel, as an established nation, pulled away from God. Um, just sort of at the time, a few generations later than Noah, when Um, Nimrod built um, a big society that kind of was a front to God that wanted to do its own thing. And this is reading from Josephus, who was a 1st century uh, Jewish historian. I don't believe he was a believer. I think he was Jewish, probably followed the Jewish faith. I'm not sure some of you would know. But this is what he said, and he's probably quoting here from a Jewish tradition. It's very interesting what he says. So he's writing this, what, 2,000 years ago? I'm going to read it out. Now it was Nimrod who excited them to such an affront and contempt of God. He was a grandson of Ham, the son of Noah, a bold man and of great strength of hand. He persuaded them not to ascribe it to God as if it were through his means they were happy, but to believe that it was their own courage which procured their happiness. He also gradually changed the government into tyranny. Notice that word there, gradually. That's how they do it, gradually. He changed law bit by bit over time. Seeing no other way of turning men from the fear of God but to bring them into a constant dependence on his power. So basically, it was a system where they set it up, in rebellion to God, they're going to do things their own way, you know, they're going to cast off the cords, and basically, they're going to say that the government or this, this leader, he's going to be our guardian, he's going to be our overseer. So instead of Jehovah Jireh being our provider, and we're looking to him, then this, that kind of state, that structure, is they want to kind of be, a God, and, uh, be a God and take the place of God in your life. So it's an amazing insight there. And we have other examples as well in the, New Te- in the Old Testament of this as well. So the king of Assyria um, is a bit of an Antichrist-type figure. So he was one who's very pompous, who spoke against God and wanted Israel to come over to his ways. To his ways. Uh, of course, we have the, the concept of the Antichrist figure in the New Testament as well. Personally, that's kind of what the world does. It's always done that, it's always going to do that and kind of society goes through phases where it gets to a low point, maybe poverty sets in, whatever, and then it's a move of God, and then can we go back and become more godly again, and we kind of go in cycles. That's kind of what society does. I think the biggest blow for me, and it has been a genuinely big blow for me, is how much has now started to creep into the church. So, I mean, you know, I've been a Christian 30 years now, and it was generally accepted for me that some of the older established churches would kind of embrace the teaching of the world... Perhaps the fear of man, they want to be popular and they kind of embrace this, they want to be seen as inclusive or whatever. But I think the biggest fear that we now have is that those uh, teachings from the world are now getting into the church, you know, into churches where people were born again, you know, they've they've experienced the power of God and they're kind of letting this in. Okay, and that's what generally does concern me. Again, nothing's new under the sun. Next slide, please. So if you look at Jesus, he gave a discourse. We addressed, it, addressed the early church in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3 of basically how they were doing. It was a review. Um, I think five of them weren't doing great, uh, one or two really bad, and two were doing actually quite good. But one of them was the church in Pergamos, which um, in my Bible calls it the dead church. My goodness, that's, uh, that's a quite a powerful subheading. Jesus said this to them, I have a few things against you, because you have those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak." to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. Thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. So notice Jesus doesn't mix his words. Jesus is always kind of very direct. He's not like, it's not great and we should do... You know, he's just like, no, I hate this. Okay, that's the position of God on this. What's, what's the antidote? What's, what do we do about it? Repent, or else I'll come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. So this is a very loving God, but of course he's also very strict, if that's the right word, or very direct in terms of when we take on board stuff that's from out there, that's not from him. Okay, We have to repent. John, uh, 1 John 2, verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And I think James says as well, friendship with the world is hatred towards God. Okay. Right. That's, that's kind of like the, the, kind of the down bit. Just kind of, I wanted to paint a picture of kind of the sorts of things um, we're talking about. Okay. It's all happy from now on. Don't worry. So Psalm 118. All right. So this um, psalm formed a group of psalms from 113 to 118 called the Hallel, or which means literally the praise. And are predominantly psalms of praise. Traditionally, this group was spoken or sung at Passover. And Psalm 118 would have been read just before the last cup of wine of the evening of Passover. So obviously, think about Monday's, um Thursday, and just before Jesus is then, you know, sent, sent to trial overnight and all the disciples are scattered. So this could have been this, that very psalm that they sung um, I think I quickly looked at my Bible yesterday. It doesn't say this, they sung this psalm, but I think they sung a hymn or something. It could well have been this one, if it was tradition. Interesting, eh? Right, so we're going to read it. Um, it's quite a long one, but let's, uh, let's read it. I'll just read it out. Uh, be thankful it's not a Psalm 119, the next one, which is a... What's that, 170-odd verses or something? So it's a little bit long, so, uh, but of course, uh, let's read it all out. So the word of God. Here we go. I'll give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Let Israel now say, his mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron now say, his mercy endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord now say, his mercy endures forever. I called on the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. Next slide. The Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is for me. Among those who help me. Therefore, I shall see my desire on those who hate me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. All nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. They surrounded me, yes, they surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. They surrounded me like bees, they were quenched like a fire of thorns. But in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. You push me violently that I might fall, but the Lord help me. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord has chastened me severely, has chastened me severely but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness, I will go through them, and I will praise the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord, through which the righteous shall enter. I will praise you, for you have answered me, and have become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvellous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Nearly there now. Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. God is the Lord. He has given us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. You are my God and I will praise you. You are my God. I will exalt you. I'll give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endures forever. Amen. Amen. Now we are going to look at, we're not going to kind of do verse by verse, we're just going to pick three points from this, from our three points for winning game plan. But just a quick overview here. So basically we've talked about Psalm 2, about kind of nations and things kind of conspiring against um, us as people, and of course the anointed one, Jesus. And it's interesting here that that kind of concept is mentioned here as well. So and obviously as we read this we think about Jesus uh, if we look at uh, da, da, da. Right, so verse 22, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing its marvelous in our eyes. So basically this is, uh, it contains prophetic elements about the life and ministry of Jesus. And uh, this is an interesting one. So the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. So if you think back to kind of biblical times, I guess it's something similar now. Um, And basically, you know, if you wanted to build a solid house, you needed a good cornerstone. A good cornerstone was a large piece of rock. Um, It was, I don't know, kind of cut in a certain way or something, and it provided a a foundation for the weight of the house that would support the house for many years to come. And you kind of set it out and you kind of, you know, get the, the kind of that direction and, and kind of that direction from that. So it's very important. And what they would do is, is they would hunt through a pile of stones to find which one qualifies for the best cornerstone, one is the best stone that's actually going to do the job. And Jesus quotes this when he's um, in Jerusalem, I think not too far before his death, and he's up against the religious leaders of the time. Okay, and they're rejecting him. He's just come in, he's rolled in on the uh, on the donkey. Uh, And basically he's fulfilling Old Testament scripture, like basically saying, you know, I'm the anointed one. And they're rejecting him, okay? But it's interesting, isn't it? So if you look at the life and ministry of Jesus, so often it looked like it wasn't going to plan, like it was going wrong. So many people wanted Jesus to take a physical reign at that point and become king or whatever. Some people tried to make him do it by force or whatever. And then, of course, at the end, he was crucified on a cross. My goodness, you know, it didn't look like it was ending as well. But we now know, of course that that was all part of the plan and that exactly what Jesus had to achieve, he achieved it, okay? This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So what is the lesson we learn from that? So Jesus was rejected. We're going to get rejected, okay? But if we keep the right mindset, okay, we we keep close to him, we don't compromise, we hold to the word, then we can fulfil our assignment from God. So it's a time potentially as a Christian, as Christians in this nation, we might want to wobble, give in, compromise a bit, it's there quite often, isn't it? But look at the example of Jesus. He never gave him once, and it looked like it was all over at one point, but my goodness, um, uh, you know, it triumphed. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 8, love this verse. Talked about the rulers of this age. I think Paul's talking about kind of spiritual powers then. Uh, if they had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Yeah. Okay, didn't have a clue what was going on. They thought we were just going to take this guy out, and it's all going to be over. And somehow God doesn't fulfill all these Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah. okay? But now um, it all worked out just fine in the end and it came for us as well. Um, football slide, please. So, um, cash your mind back to Euro 2020, which happened in July uh, last year because it was delayed because of COVID, of course. And do you remember this, so just actually cash your mind back. We were having a good tournament, things seemed to be going really well. Is this the time we're going to get to the final? Are we actually going to do it this time? If you've lived in Britain a few years, we've kind of been through that cycle many times before. Can we actually think this time is actually going to be the time it's going to be happening? And the England-Denmark game, uh, when they started, England hadn't conceded a goal for 480 minutes. It's not bad, is it? Things were looking really good, right? We are sat at home. Uh, I've even got sweaty palms now, uh, thinking about it. And... um, I think it was the 30th minute, Denmark scored a goal. And I don't know what happened in your living room, but all of a sudden, all that kind of fear and dread the past 30 years, whatever. Oh, my goodness, here we go again. And it's just like, oh, my goodness, what's going to happen? Here we are again. I absolutely loved it. What happened is, is, uh, just a few seconds later, they'd managed to film Harry Kane, the captain of the team, and they'd managed to film him, the kind of direction they'd given to uh, the team. And it's played in slow motion. I thought, this is a great sermon illustration. Here we go. Basically, he looked at the plays and he just tapped and said, mind, mind, okay? And what he was trying to tell them, all right, is keep it together, yeah? You've just been hit. It's like the fear factors come in, but we've got a game plan. Just watch your mind, okay? Very interesting. All right, so now we're going to look at three points for a winning game plan. Next slide, okay? So point number one, set your mind on things above. I called on the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. The Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I shall see my desire on those who hate me. So the first thing we've got to do, we've got to get uh, with a right um, spiritual perspective, haven't we? Colossians 3 says this, and I believe actually the Lord has specific. has talked about me struggling with this. And I think this is one one verse that the Lord brought to mind when I was riding my bike once. If you are then raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Now, it doesn't mean to say that we kind of ignore what's going on, but it just means our perspective. We allow our spirit to become renewed and focused. I once heard that as Christians we have like one eye on heaven, one eye on the earth. I think that's pretty good. Let's not take both eyes off and, and see what's happening. We've got to keep one eye on heaven, um, and we need to kind of get into that place of intimacy with Him. So don't neglect the secret place. Um, Tara spoke a few weeks ago. We had a wonderful time at St. Paul's talking about moving uh, in the gifts of the Spirit and about intimacy with God, and she used an illustration. I said afterwards, I said, Tara, you know what? I'd already plan to use that illustration, so I'm still going to do it. But it's this one. I remember I started flying internationally for business. Um, I don't know, 10, 20 years ago, something like that. And I used to get into Heathrow, and it was grey. And I think, oh, you know, I'm looking forward to a nice long-haul flight where it's blue sky, and I can kind of, you know, see around that kind of stuff. And I did that, like, several times, like, how slow am I? And I always realised that as you get up and you go above the clouds, it's different. There's a a clearing, it's blue sky. So no matter what's happening down here, it's always a sunny day up there. And I think that's illustrative of getting into the presence of God. I don't mean, like, a quick prayer, I mean, like, dying to self in that place of prayer, you know, waiting for the Spirit to move upon you, setting aside the time, putting in the time for the Holy Spirit to move upon you, then you can drink upon that. Now, just a quick prayer, but really sort of connect with God. And I don't know about you, but I've never got into the presence of God and realised that heaven's having a bad day. You don't, when you get that sense of presence, it's not like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? That Lord's just been passed, that kind of stuff. It's always like victory, it's always power, it's righteousness, it's praise, and it's love. So we need to tap into that. God isn't fazed by that. Okay, so that's point number one. Set your mind on things above. Point number two, hold fast to His word. Okay, this is also about faith and truth, as well. Sorry, faith and trust. Hold fast to His word. Let the house of Aaron now say, His mercy endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord now say, His mercy endures forever. Okay, so just like a confession there. Sometimes, you know, you don't feel like it in the morning, whatever. Sometimes you just got to speak out or confess or whatever um, God's word. It's just an act of will, okay? It's all about holding fast. It's like getting our senses and our body engaged with things of God. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes or leaders or whatever. It's just better... um, uh, all, all the way around. I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. I haven't studied that much at all but I believe that's referring to, to Jesus there. Obviously Jesus still had to live as a man on the earth. He still had to walk in faith and, and believe uh, the things that the Father had spoken about him. You know? So he had to actually walk in faith as well. He wasn't excused of that even though he was fully God, he was fully man as well, which is the, the amazing thing. Um, so we've had an example of the church of Pergamos, which was the dead church in um, Revelation chapter 2 and 3. Uh, this is on the slide. But the other church was the faithful church, the church in Philadelphia. And Jesus says to them, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, but you have kept my word. You've kept my word. And have not denied my name. Okay, it's interesting, isn't it? It's probably a suffering church, maybe getting beaten around a bit, maybe losing their jobs, maybe getting beaten up, someone getting killed. I'm guessing, I don't know for sure. But certainly it would have been a lot more fierce persecution than what we experience today. Okay? They're struggling through that. But what does the Lord see? Because he sees everything. You've kept my word, you've not denied my name. Very, very powerful there, isn't it? Okay? So don't give in to fear. Okay? Fear and faith are opposites. A little bit of alliteration here. Okay, listen to the Bible, not the BBC, for example. Okay, get your cues, get your cues from the word and from your faith in God. Okay, so point number two, hold fast to his word. Point number three, cultivate a lifestyle of praise and thankfulness. We did say, didn't we, this is part of a collection of psalms, which is all about praise and thankfulness. Open to me the gates of righteousness, I will go through them. I will praise the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. I will praise you for you have answered me. And have become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing and it is marvellous in our eyes. This is a day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Okay? So this is a day. So we need to stop and recognise God is still on the throne. The promises of God towards us uh, are still you know, relevant. They're not put on hold. He's still in charge and we're still on track for victory for him. One of the first things that can happen when you go through a trial where you get some persecution is is you get a bit of a whispering voice from the enemy saying, God, God isn't a good God. Okay? just be, You're going through a trial and all of a sudden you think, God's not a good God. That is not the case. God is always a good God. Okay? So to stop and recognise it's all still good. And point number two, we will rejoice in it. To rejoice is to take action, whether you feel like it or not, whatever the circumstances. We need to choose to look at him and rejoice and praise in him. So we stop, recognise this is a day the Lord has made, he's still on the throne, we're going to rejoice, and we're going to be glad as well. Okay, so we're going to harness our emotions. Again, that's something the world doesn't do very much at the moment, it allows its emotions to kind of run riot, and blah, blah, blah. As Christians, we don't do that, we're actually to possess ourselves, as Jesus said, and control our emotions. Okay, not always easy, but we have to do it. Okay, we need to control them so that our peace isn't diminished. Um, The kingdom of God is about righteousness, joy, and peace. Righteous and enjoying peace—that's our inheritance as Christians. Okay, not to be concerned and, and kind of burden stuff. That's our inheritance: righteous and peace. If your peace is being given away, you need to get it back because His will for you is to be in peace. So you just like, do a quick check on yourself: where's my mind going today? You know, how am I feeling? That kind of stuff. And you know be honest, most times I'm not in that place of kind of victory and praise whatever, but I can get back into that place, you know, with a morning quiet time or whatever, and get my mind back on him where it's always um, a place of victory and faith. Okay, coming towards the end now. So the challenge. So how do we kind of take this? Uh, What do we do with it? So maybe a few things um, stuck out to you this morning, things about the workplace or whatever. You know, how do we kind of go uh, forth from this? So in the end, let's go back to the Denmark-England game. In the end, can anyone remember the score? It's a long time well, we, won, we? we won. We do won. There we go. We won. That's close enough. We won 2-1. <laughs> uh, so we won 2-1 in the end, okay? But they could have lost. They could have lost, okay? If they traded away their willing mindset, okay? So this is a new era. We need to keep a willing mindset. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And just one final, uh, or two final thoughts here. So that's the Logos word here. This is just what the Bible says, what Psalm 118 says. I think we've also had this as well as a prophetic rhema word given to this church as well. I think Torah gave this word um, about three, four months ago. And again, I think it was a real word from the Holy Spirit. The word was something like this. Chaos will continue, but I have much life for you. Mm. Chaos will continue, but I have much life for you. Okay? I just thought, my goodness. I mean, that... That really went deep inside me, and that whew, that really lifted me up, put wind back in my sails again. And that's, again, I value the prophetic word. We had it this morning. We need to kind of really listen and hear these things. I don't think these are flaky words. I think these are words with a lot of Holy Spirit and a lot of truth in them. Okay, great. So what we're going to do now, we're just going to stand up, and we're just going to have, have we got a few minutes, two or three minutes, Howard, left, just to pray into this? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah? Okay, if we all stand, please. Final slide, please, Rico. So, as always, always we put we put our eyes back on him. This is um, Paul talking about Jesus, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross.